This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Tonight, I want to warn you, we are going to be turning to a lot of passages. I sincerely hope that you brought your Bible. I appreciated a comment that David Minnick made the other night. And I very frequently, when I'm in a church I have never been to, will say this. The Lord has called me to a country where the great majority of the people cannot even read. But you can. And because you can read, I hope you brought your Bibles tonight, because if you didn't, how are you going to know whether I'm lying or not? Okay, tonight you get to be fact checkers if you have your Bible. And I encourage you to get your Bibles. We are going to do a hard work turning to a lot of different passages, uh, which I know is unusual. I don't like just jumping to a bunch of different passages, but I do believe this is what the Lord has for us tonight. Now, our conference has taken as a theme Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The fact that the early church took this command seriously is evident. Have you ever thought about why we, as complete pagan heathen Gentiles, are gathered in Chesapeake, Virginia, to think about the things of the Lord? We are the fruit of missions. This is not Jerusalem. This is not Judea. This isn't even Samaria. This is the uttermost part of the earth. We are gathered tonight as a result of people fulfilling the Great Commission. But yet this Great Commission goes on because we know Jesus said this was to continue until he returns. He has not returned yet. And we don't know when he will. And because of that, we know then that it is still our responsibility to be going to the ends of the earth in fulfillment of this commission that we are considering this week. So then, this week we are. We are considering this great commission to be carried out until the day of Jesus' return. And what is this commission? Well, in Acts 1.8 specifically, we are commanded to what? To be witnesses unto me. To be witnesses unto who? To Jesus. I do want to explore this then tonight. Who are we being witnesses of? And I'm even going to narrow this focus even farther. Uh, tonight's message is probably not what you would have been given as an example in a homiletics class. Again, we're going to be turning to a lot of different passages. So there's a lot of work to do. Um, but it will have roughly three sections if you like taking notes. And you can kind of clump things into these three sections. First of all, we're going to consider the debate. Who is Jesus? And there is a great debate about who Jesus is. What is his true identity? Secondly, we are going to consider his identity and who he is. And then thirdly, the implications then of Jesus' identity, the implications of who he is. So what does it mean to be a witness unto or of 
Jesus? Well, firstly, Jesus' true identity has been a great debate throughout the ages. In fact, this was debated hotly while Jesus was here on the face of the earth. From the beginning of his ministry all the way until his death, people were debating, who is this guy? Who is he really? And Jesus himself brought up this question. And so I want us to turn, first of all, to the book of Matthew in chapter 16. And Jesus himself is going to ask his disciples who people say that he is. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon what Peter had just said, this confession of Jesus' identity, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Christ. This is his identity, but this was not accepted by all. Peter confessed it, but in the middle of Peter's confession, this debate is swirling. Who is Jesus? Please turn to the book of John, and we're going to camp out in the book of John for a little bit. We are going to look at a chain of passages that actually discuss and give us some insight into this debate surrounding who Jesus is. John chapter 6, and I'm going to start by reading John chapter 6, verses 41 through 43. John chapter 6, starting in verse 41. Then the Jews murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And we see then in this passage men starting to make an assumption. You see, even Joseph struggled to understand the truth of the virgin birth. And these men assumed this man's father is Joseph. We know who his father and mother is. This guy didn't come from heaven. Who is he claiming to be? And in fact... One of the driving wedges into this debate on who Jesus is centered around this because they understood Jesus was claiming to be deity. How can a man claim to be deity? This is heretical. And this was driving this wedge even deeper. It's the reason why the Jews, many of them hated him and called him a heretic. John chapter 6, verses 60 through 67, not very far away. 
Again, this topic comes up. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard a claim that Jesus had made, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, doth this offend you? What an if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and should betray him. And he said, therefore I said unto you, no man can come unto me except it were given him of my father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back. They left him and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, will ye also go away? John chapter 7, verse 40, continues, continues with this debate. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard another saying that Jesus said, said, of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was what among them? Division. Division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this. Then answered the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? And thus the debate is becoming more and more embroiled. And every man, it says at the end of that passage, went into his own house, each having to decide for himself who they thought Jesus really was. Some insisting he was a heretic. Some believing he was a prophet. Others, this is the Christ. Thankfully, some did believe. John 7 and verse 31 says this. John 7, 31 says, And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? But this debate was going to go on from there and actually become the very focal point of Jesus' death. Turn to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, and we are going to read verses 17 through 22. John chapter 19, starting in verse 17. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read, Many of the Jews. For the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh unto the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. This, we can continue seeing this in the book of Luke in chapter 23. Luke chapter 23 and verses 35 through 39. Luke 23, 35 through 39. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them, deriding him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. 
And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. The account in Mark chapter 15 gives us the same. If you turn to Matthew chapter 27... And in Matthew chapter 7, 27, verses 40 through 43, again we read, Thou that sayest, or thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be what? The Son of God come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him. The scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. This was so much the point that even Pilate, a Gentile believer, picked up that Jesus' identity had everything to do with why they were wanting to crucify him. Turning back quickly to the book of John, John chapter 18. John chapter 18 and in verse 33 we read, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of thee? Pilate answered him, I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end I was born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Turning very quickly across the page to John chapter 19, I want to read very quickly portions of verses 1 through 16 of John 19. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. I would continue reading, but for sake of time, I'm going to skip ahead and end the conversation that ensues. Pilate actually asked them, who would you have me to spare? Your king or this robber? And the Jews turn it political. There is no king but Caesar. And if you are a friend of this man, you are no friend of Caesar's. Who is Jesus? And this debate brings us then into the heart of our being a witness of him. We are to proclaim to the world who Jesus is. And we can follow in the steps of Peter. 
I already read for you Matthew chapter 16. If you can turn back to Matthew chapter 16 briefly. I am going to read again this confession of Peter in Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to start in verse 15 this time. Because we know who everybody was saying Jesus was. But Jesus makes this personal. And he asks them pointedly, but who do you say that I am? In verse 15. And in verse 16 of Matthew 16, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art who? The Christ. We're very often confused and think that Christ is a second name to Jesus. This is a title. The Christ. The Son of the living God. And Jesus then goes on to say, upon this confession, my being the Christ, the church is going to be built on this confession. Jesus is the Christ. What is this word Christ? Christ is our English translation of a Greek word that means anointed one. Or in Hebrew, you would also know the word Messiah. Christ and Messiah, anointed one. Anointed one is significant. This is figurative language for a king. Because within Hebrew culture, who was responsible for choosing the kings? And so the king must be anointed, chosen specifically by God. The priests too, God's special chosen servants, were to be anointed. This was a setting apart. This man is chosen for a specific task. God has set them aside. They are consecrated. They are anointed. They are my chosen one for this specific task. And I think it would be helpful then for us to understand the Jewish understanding of this word. Where do we learn about this Messiah, the Christ? We'll turn to Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23 and verses 5 through 6. Jeremiah 23, we have a prophecy concerning the Christ. Jeremiah 23, verse 5, we read, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David the royal line, a righteous branch, and a what? King. A king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name whereby he shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. Then we need to turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 11, in verses 1 through 5. Isaiah chapter 11, in verse 1, starts saying, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, 
and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Again, skipping closer or further into the book of Isaiah to chapter 53. In Isaiah 53, we're going to learn something else special about this chosen servant. And actually, this passage is going to be very key in understanding a misconception of the Jews. Because this chosen one, this branch of David, this anointed servant, in Isaiah 53, verse 1, says, Who hath believed our report? Well, that's a good question. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, this servant, shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And this passage continues to describe then how this chosen servant, the anointed one, is going to need suffer and die for the saving of sins. They should have recognized then when John the Baptist also identified Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God. Now we know that this was a misunderstanding, and to this day, the Jews will not take into account this Isaiah 53 passage. Because clearly this is Jesus, the Christ. They cannot accept that, but the Jews did accept part of Jesus' identity and calling and anointing that I think, in a sense, we as a modern American church have lost a true understanding of. Because what were the Jews expecting? A king. They were expecting a king, and rightly so, because this is what the scriptures said he was going to be. A king to rule. And yes, we know. They say hindsight is 2020. And we, having the gift of being able to look back and see and distinguish, there are two comings. You see, Jesus fulfilled this Lamb of God prophecy. He died and suffered for the saving of sins. But folks, Jesus did not just be promised to come once. He is coming again. And when Jesus comes again, he is not coming as a baby to be born and to be offered again as a sacrifice. No, this time the Lamb of God is coming with a crown and a sword and on a war horse with an army. Because you see, the prophecies have not been annulled. This branch is going to sit on the physical throne of David in physical Jerusalem and reign with a rod of iron. Do not be deceived. I think, of course, it's easy for us to reflect then 
on this Lamb of God part of Jesus' identity. But there's one more passage that we need to consider before we return to the New Testament, and that is Psalm chapter 2. Please turn with me to Psalm chapter 2, and we will actually see our very phrase, anointed one, in this passage. Psalm 2 is critical for our understanding of the world in which we live. Pay attention very carefully as we read this passage. Psalm 2 starts by asking a question. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against whom? The Lord and against whom? His anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. But he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet, God says, have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with the rod of iron, and thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Verse 10 then turns to our world and says, Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and he perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. I want to step back now from this context. Do you see what Peter saw when he said, You are the Christ? Is this what we think when we think of Jesus? When we witness to people, are we being witnesses of this? Hey, Jesus is the Christ, the King. Jesus is our King, chosen by God from the beginning of time, since before the beginning of time, promised to rule and reign. And yes, we know, I already read this passage where Jesus is talking to Pilate, and Pilate asks him, are you a king? And he says, what? Well, he says, thou sayest, but he tells him, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. So presently, we have a king, Jesus, enthroned in heaven, promised this branch, but a king must have a kingdom. Where is the kingdom of God? Well, we read Psalm 2. I ask you, does Psalm 2 not describe to us our political condition today? Yes. Our very president and the leaders of the rest of the world have declared that sin is normal. The rulers of our world are seeking to redefine God's law. What God has declared from the foundation of time, what gender is. We have governments saying it's okay to kill innocent babies. 
You see, they are. They have taken counsel together. They are attempting to cast off these cords of God's king. So now that we have talked about Jesus' identity, the Christ, let us consider then its implications for us. Are we right now convinced in our mind that Jesus is indeed the Christ? Well, the disciples obviously were. And because of it, this influenced everything that they did. This did change how they lived. And it changed how they thought and it affected their preaching. You may not have noticed. I'm going to read just a few passages Jesus, we know, in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, and we don't have time for everyone to turn there, so I will just read it because I have it written. Jesus comes into Galilee, and Mark summarizes all of Jesus' preaching into this, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So the apostles then, and the early church leaders, after Jesus has given them this commission, what do they preach? Well, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, we find in Acts chapter 8 and verse 5, and he preached Christ unto them. But what was he preaching when he preached Christ to them? Verse 12 of Acts 8 tells us. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ... They were baptized, both men and women. Acts chapter 19, we find Paul himself. Paul went into the synagogue and he spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. You see, these men were gripped with the reality that Jesus is the Christ. And they were diligently preaching then the kingdom. We know that Jesus, when he was on the face of this earth, said, unless you become like these little ones and believe, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. I ask you, where is Jesus' kingdom? How do men become citizens of this kingdom? Through the Lamb of God. Because Jesus paid the penalty for man's sin, men can be saved and thus be kingdom citizens. When a person believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are not just receiving the Lamb. Now, here's something that is not popular current theology. But I believe the Scripture teaches this with all of my heart. You cannot have the Lamb without having the King. And is this not what we, I don't say we, preaching to the choir, I believe. But our American church rejecting the right of the king, because what is a king? Well, if Jesus is king, that means marriage as God defined it. That means gender as God defined it. That means creation as God defined it. That means marriage and even marital roles as God defined them. No parliament, no congress, no vote. We know this does not sit well. 
Who has the right to tell me? And was this not actually in the heart of Adam and Eve? Because Satan did not force them to bite that fruit. Very craftily, he convinces them that this fruit is going to make them wise like God themselves. And for the first time, man says to himself, I will be like God. I will choose even though they had the track record to prove that God was good and all that God made was good and all that God declared was good, yet they said, I will rule. Is this not the message of our culture? Have it your way. Be true to yourself. I can go on. But folks, what are the implications then of Jesus being the Christ? Well, it starts with this. If Jesus is your Christ, we learn in 1 John, what is it to be a Christian? 1 John says, Hereby ye know that you are in him if you keep his commandments. If you say that you are in him, but you do not keep his commandments, you are a liar, according to 1 John. Because when God saves an individual, he does give a new birth. And finally, men say, yes, God, you rule. Yes, God, you're right, I'm wrong. Save me. This is saving faith. This is repentance and believing in the gospel as Jesus told men to do in his day. This is turning. This is salvation. You see, Jesus is the Lamb of God, and he is king. Jesus is the Christ. Folks, I do want to ask, though, how can we, the church, tell the world Jesus is the Christ when we as God's people are unsubmitted to him? This is something that I have cried and grieved and prayed over for myself personally many times. Because while we are justified, there's a part of our sanctification that is progressive. How can I tell? But did we not learn when we preach the Christ? I am not preaching my life. Jesus as was expounded to us last night, has all authority and all power. And it is Jesus then who gives us the power to be changed and different. Do you want it? You're saved. If you really, truly want and believe God's word and want to obey his commands, First John is saying, yes, you have been changed. You agree with the law of God that it is right and just. Our authority then is found in Christ, our King, not in our perfect practice. And what kind of people does God call to be his witnesses? You shall be witnesses unto me. All of the people that Jesus physically spoke to that day, how was their track record? Indeed, they had failed. (laughs) 
every single one of them. But these men were convinced Jesus is the Christ. This is who we are witness of today. I want to close by reading Revelations chapter 22 and verses 6 through 21. Revelations chapter 22, verses 6 through 21. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. The Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I, heard, and when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold... I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do this commandments, that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in the book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Before our theme verse of Acts 1-8, the disciples actually ask Jesus, when is the kingdom going to come? Is now the time? You see, they were right. Jesus is the Christ. But Jesus says to them, it's not for you to know the time. And then he gives this command, but you will be witnesses of me. We do not know the time or the hour of Jesus' coming, but it is imminent. And we are to be witnesses of the Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day the grace to be witnesses of Jesus the Christ. 
meet our earthly needs as we make this endeavor. Forgive us for our sins and help us to be forgiving. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.